Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any health-related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, and other real-life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Yeah, I said it. I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perimenopodcast. Topic of the day, finding your tribe. You know, I was never one to share my personal health with much of anyone. I've been fortunate. I'm really healthy. I haven't had to worry much about my health. So you can imagine my dilemma when the perimenopause bus stopped at my house and forced me to get on. So besides being in shock about the 180 that my body and mind were taking, And then going to my general practitioner and being told to suck it up and giving me no option or alternatives, I kind of felt like I was going to be doing it alone. Well, that is me and Google, you know, where I learned that I was dying, which is actually the only outcome when you Google a symptom of anything, death, which is what we all run to no matter what it is. So I was so stupid, Suzanne. I seriously thought that A, only menopause existed and it consisted of stopping periods and hot flashes. And B, well, there was no B. I was just a dumbass. Mm. You know, quite frankly, until you and I started connecting, I never considered that there would be others out there who could support me medically, psychologically, emotionally. So much lost time going it alone. Mm. You know, it's one of those things where I really wish that I could have turned back time And done it differently because I needed a sisterhood, a team, or as you call it, a tribe. Yes, that's right. A tribe. Absolutely. Like more than one person that might be able to help you in different facets of this journey. And it sounds like for you, uh, up until connecting with other women going through the same experience like me, uh, you felt alone and lost, which which I did too, even though I'm a doctor. You know, there may be many women listening who've also experienced feeling alone in the hell of perimenopause and for many reasons. All the symptoms of perimenopause are just being recognized. Women are often told to suck it up, just like you were when it comes to dealing with illness in general, especially when it comes to the, that sort of illness related to our reproductive system and hormones. And we most likely have not had a lot of medical problems until this point, thankfully, and are used to being the caregivers, right? Rather than the, the cared for. Oh my God, you are so right about that. I guarantee that nearly everyone listening spends a ton of time attending to a home, attending to children, mm-hmm. a spouse, parents, friends, mm-hmm. siblings. I mean, think about the last time you were sick. Right. Were you still being asked where the car keys were and where the fucking baggies were kept? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, right? I'm not wrong, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We have 
Now, granted, I'm going to say we certainly have to own some of the responsibility for being in that situation. But again, I can't stress enough. You don't want to go this alone. Absolutely not. You're right. It's time to shift the dialogue, especially when it comes to perimenopause, because it's a hard, unpredictable thing to go through. So, but just luckily in the past year, there's been a tremendous change in recognizing that perimenopause may affect multiple systems in a woman's body. So we didn't realize until, uh, you know, really as, as soon as a year ago that maybe women were having brain fog, joint pain, crazy periods, plus the old standard hot flashes that everybody understands related to menopause, and maybe even more as we've discussed each episode, we've had yeah. new symptoms, right? But you may be one of these women in the women's healthcare desert, you know, perhaps a rural area where there's only a few providers. Maybe you have a general practitioner uh, and maybe an internal medicine doctor. And doctors are slow to understand the benefits of estrogen therapy, uh, especially in these kind of deserts. Uh, and they're afraid of the risk of prescribing estrogen because we've been scared out of it since 2003 due to the history of the Women's Health Initiative. We thought at that time it's increasing breast cancer and it's causing pe women to get strokes, heart attacks, other sorts of clots uh, that are, might be killing them. That's what we understood. Well, let me stop there then. Should I dig my heels in? I mean, let's say that I go to my provider, and by the way, it took me five months just to book an appointment because mm. that's how scheduled out they are, and I want some hormones. And the doctor's poo-pooing me, and my seven minutes are almost yeah. up. Do I just hold my ground? Mm. I mean, in the U.S., prescription drug advertising is a multi-billion dollar business because it has patients show up and, quote, ask your doctor if blank fill-in-the-blank prescription is right for you. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't I be that sort of advocate saying, hey, I understand that you don't feel comfortable about estrogen replacement therapy, but damn it. I'm a candidate and we're going to move on this. Absolutely. I think it's important to be your own advocate because there are probably doctors out there who haven't, that's kind of number seven on the table of contents of the journal they're reading. Number one, stroke, two's diabetes, number three's weight loss. So you kind of, you know, that's something that's way down on the bottom for them. And they probably feel like they already know everything related to it. But if you go in, if other women go in and they say, say, hey, I hear that that it's that Women's Health Initiative maybe was just a like a was an interesting subset of women that were older and that really were that many it, incidences of strokes, uh, heart attacks happening. I really want I don't have any risk factors. I really want to try it. I'm going through hell. And I think that that's uh, the, the new way to go. Can you please give me a prescription? I think that's what you have to do because that'll make that provider go out there and uh, research a little more and find out, yes, that there's new information about that. I'll cut this out if you want me to, but I have to ask the truth. <laughs> sure. So for most doctors, when a patient shows up and asks for something, yeah. what percentage of the time do they get it? Oh, man. I You know, that is a really good question. I mean... It, Remember now a days we are, you know, I'd, I'd say one of those kind of crazy things people ask for are things like sleeping pills. You know, they ask for pain pills to have just in, just as needed. So if you put that in the, the percentage mix, you know, and it, a lot of those medications that are being uh, advertised for like 
two to five dollars a pill. Like there are very expensive medicines uh, that come out. Usually they're under some sort of they still have a patent, so the 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 pharmacy can pharmaceutical company is able to charge what they want for it until it goes generic in 10 years. So, um, so they, they're trying to make the most that they can out of it. And, you know, most of the time we won't be able to get it approved through their insurance anyhow. So, I mean, I'd say probably the people at people actually taking home a prescription after they've asked for it, uh, is probably 10%, 20%, something like that. Pretty low. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. I always figure that, you know, most healthcare providers would just fold. Fine, I don't want to fight about this. Oh, you know. right. I guess it get, it depends. might depend on if you get us at the beginning or the end of the day. Um, but uh, yeah, and luckily I don't have that happen too, too much. Usually people are interested in where we were, we're on the same page about whether it's time to start a medicine or not. And I'm lucky because I have a lot of patients who are very motivated to do alternative therapies because that's how... That's how I'm understood in the community as being a provider who knows alternative treatments as well as regular prescriptions. Uh, so, I forget you're yes. a country, you're a country crunchy. I'm a country crunchy okay. country country doctor exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we're not here to talk right. about that specifically. We we're talking about your tribe. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about right. that. Yeah, so I think finding your tribe is kind of twofold. There's kind of two groups of people, and you're that Venn diagram with yourself in the middle. You know, there's there's a practitioners that might help you in your customized journey through navigating control of symptoms as they come up, maybe using estrogen replacement therapy or acupuncture, like we've talked about before. We had Stephanie come and talk with us. And uh, secondly, There's also that group of supportive women who've been through menopause or maybe currently going through it just the the same as you are. Uh, And that's uh, important to have this group of women because that interaction of a supportive group will actually help you get better by itself uh, and you get better faster. So it's that time in your life where you actually need to be cared for Uh, by friends and family. So let them into your crazy symptom profile and your story. Talk to them about what's going on. And just, you might just have to tell them how to help too. You might have to direct them on what's the best way to help you out. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's interesting because I think that a lot of people listening are probably working full time. We've talked about this Mm -hmm. and, you know, again, we have full-time jobs, we have full-time families, we have full-time lives. And so I want to talk about work for a second. And specifically, I want to talk about finding other women who might be in the same boat or, you know, past it who are in menopause um, Mm -hmm. at work. So bear with me for a second. In my last two roles, I, this was important to me, right? To have some kind of support. I was working like Mm -hmm. crazy and I was wasn't getting it at home, so I thought, well, maybe I could find my little tribe at work. So I actually started a Slack channel for women mm-hmm. of a certain age. Now I didn't promote it as like the perimenopause <laughs> Slack channel, but it was it was you know women of women of a certain age, which was fine. Um, it, it was pretty delicate to approach coworkers and ask them their age, but most of them were so grateful to find a sisterhood. They jumped right on it. Mm, of course, nice. you know, I work in tech, so there were like five women in the whole fucking company <laughs> over 50. So <laughs> it, mm. it wasn't difficult. I mean, that's a that's a topic for a different podcast. <laughs> but I'm just saying that maybe it's going to take you to be the one reaching out first to try to develop 
part of the tribe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's a good point. Maybe you spend, you know, 40 to 60 hours of uh, your time every week at work. So maybe that, that sisterhood or that, that group of people is at work and maybe it, it isn't just women. Maybe there's also men involved. That's sometimes interesting. If you have a man whose wife has been through or partner has been through menopause, you know, who's also helping you uh, kind of understand what you're going through and what maybe they've done before. So maybe it would include men as well. Um, but I think that that's important that you could find that part of that tribe at work for sure, or in your community. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that, but I have a really hard time imagining, you know, myself calling on my former 39 year old boss and talking to him about my perimenopause symptoms. That <laughs> right. was just not a place <laughs> right. that I wanted to be. Honestly, mm -hmm. I just wasn't going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, there was enough stacked against me as a woman of age in tech that that wasn't something that was going to come up. But I, I see where you're going. Maybe some other places that works. I can, I can, it certainly wouldn't have for me, but I did find a sisterhood at work, which was really important, even though we were small and mighty. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that, Think about the places, other places besides work that you could find your tribe. I mean, what about your friends from high school? What about your friends from college or a, a mom group? I mean, anyone who is nearly your age is probably in the ballpark, right? Right. The people I mean, you graduated with are exactly your age, right? Probably going yeah. through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, Suzanne and I have known each other since we were about 10 years old. So, you know, we certainly, and we have a really tight high school class, but mm -hmm. you know, we're still friends with all these women. So needless to say, we were all in that same ballpark together. Now, why I didn't reach out to them, uh, -uh. but, <laughs> but what I find, what I find is so interesting that if you're just listening for it, you can find people to, to get into the tribe. So, I mean, it's usually just like some offhanded comment about a hot flash, brain fog, peeing yourself to get the conversation started. Hell, I was at Sprouts the other day, and this one cashier was directly in front of the front door that was sliding open and closed, open and closed. It was minus three degrees outside. Oh, geez. I asked her, I asked her, I said, hey, man, did you draw the short straw to get that register? She told me she asks for it because it helps with the hot flashes. Boom. Sisterhood, right there, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I pointed her to the podcast. I, we're everywhere. That's what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. That's true. That's really true. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, when we're, especially when we're talking about medical practitioners, circle of healers, you know, every single one mm -hmm. of those healers might come with a dollar sign, too. So we want to be aware of that when you're, when you're listening. We'll try to comment on how much we think that you might need that practitioner a little bit. So because uh, we know some of you also have some limited resources. Let's start with that medical practitioner circle of healers. So of course you want one provider who's knowledgeable about hormone replacement therapy and who's also willing to prescribe it if needed, right? So they will help you to determine also if you have risk factors for taking hormone replacement therapy and may be able to prescribe other medications as well if needed if you're trying to avoid them. So this might be this might be the same uh, provider able to do your annual exam or a preventative exam. 
So if you have insurance, remember that it might be covered and you might want to uh, mention to them that you think that you're going through perimenopause at this time and maybe you'd want to check with blood work if that's the case. So, so, so that might actually be something that's covered for you. And it might, if you start the conversation, you might find out, yes, they do prescribe hormones or maybe they have other kind of alternative treatments to recommend, or they can refer you to someone who does that. You'll, you'll find out who's in your network. Alternatively, if you're thinking, considering non-hormonal approaches, you might want a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor, as well as an acupuncturist to consult with. So remember, we've talked about acupuncture being particularly good for body aches and pains. So if that's new to you during menopause, you might be able to take multiple symptoms out with that one technique. Might help with your back pain, your joint pain, as well as your hot flashes and sleep, for instance. The cost might be much better for you that way. If weight gain is an issue, you might consider a dietitian or maybe using an app like Noom that helps you watch what you eat. Uh, weight Watchers also has a good strategy for that in, in addition. That really does help you from gaining 30 pounds and more likely to gain just five pounds, something a little bit more manageable post-menopause. You might consider a counselor or maybe a psychiatrist especially if you're suffering more from lack of sleep and that moodiness uh, related to menopause, maybe getting angry easier. And if you don't have those resources in your area, consider telehealth because some of those providers you can get online, especially if you're in a very rural area, that might be what you need to do next. I think telehealth is a great idea, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are just so many underserved areas uh, in the U.S., and I'm sure it's globally, right? There are not specialty providers, you know, sitting in every town and hamlet. <laughs> right. I know. And even though Durango is big, we, we are definitely don't have all of the um, kind of subspecialties. Like we don't have endocrinologists. We don't have cardiovascular surgeons, even though we're a, a well-known community. So you just, you you might need to do that. You're absolutely right. Uh, and that actually might make things more uh, cost effective for you because you don't have to travel in order to get to see somebody who's more of a specialist. It also gives you the opportunity to find somebody that you like the way that they communicate with you or you like what it is that their their approach. Uh, so it, it kind of opens up the, the pool of providers that you might have access to. I think one of the things we talked about and we've mentioned it time and time again, but it bears repeating, is that keep your healthcare providers interconnected, mm -hmm. right? Don't go after this treatment siloing your providers. Each one of them needs to know the entire comprehensive you in mm -hmm. order to give you the best results. Not telling your general practitioner that you're seeing an acupuncturist or an herbalist or a nutritionist is not a great idea because mm -hmm. then they can't work to get you the best outcome. Make sure that you're keeping track of records, that you're informing all the medical parties of each other. Well, absolutely. So if your primary care physician decides that they want to go ahead and run an FSH on you, um, a cholesterol, a blood sugar, uh, that's it. Those set of labs are very important to have at your, uh, your disposal. And it might be that you just download an app and then you have access, you're able to upload whatever it is that's needed to each provider that way. 
So don't forget to do that. Uh, And remember that maybe having that information uh, available at your first appointment to your new provider might actually make it very much more effective uh, interaction during that that seven minutes that you get, Becca. Um, So, and it might be that you don't need to have so many follow-ups either. Uh, and remember with a lot of these providers, if you're, if you're very proactive and you really take good notes and you try to, to kind of do what they, uh, they recommend, you might not need quite as many visits. So that might be something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. And I was also going to point out too. also make sure if you're in the U S I don't know, I think this works globally in a lot of places too. Check out any additional services you may get through your benefits package at work. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies have gone to these wellness programs in order to manage their costs, and it might work for you. I mean, oftentimes they're buried under the like fertility programs and the legal aid, but they're there. They might include sessions like with a therapist, nutritionist, and others. Believe it or not, I actually saw menopause support listed in a job description benefit section the other day. Oh my goodness. I I have never heard that before. That's awesome. (laughs) Yes. Hopefully we'll see more and more of it. So go deep into that benefits package at work just to see what they might have. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've never taken advantage of any of it, but there on, you know, line number 72, it could be there that Mm -hmm. some of these services are available. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. So now let's move on to that emotional social support circle or or part of your tribe. Remember to talk to your friends. More than likely, they're probably around the same age as you somewhat. Uh, Some of them are going through the same thing that you are or will be at some point or already have gone through it. So having those other people around you to talk to is extremely healing. So just having that support circle of people to talk to that are are going through something similar um, and who are helping you out. For example, just to show, just to kind of illustrate how this can actually have a biological effect, there was a very good study done on breast cancer patients that went to uh, support groups regularly and their life expectancy actually increased the people in the group versus those who are out not doing that same sort of support group. Same for a smaller research done on patients who've had spontaneous remission for cancer. So there's a strong mental emotional component that involves changing how you look at the world or paradigm shifting so that you're empowered to heal from within. So it's a kind of an interesting thing, that influence of the mind and how it affects the body, including the immune system and how it might be attacking those cancer cells. Yeah, which totally makes sense to me. I mean, so let's see, I have this tough thing that I'm trying to get through and I'm doing it alone. There's a tremendous amount of pressure there, Mm -hmm. but it's like a release valve to have that group that also understands where I am. And think about, I mean, think about how many services, I mean, think about even like an Alcoholics Anonymous or something Mm -hmm. like that. You're all there together going through the same thing and you have each other's backs. Yes, absolutely. There's a, it absolutely works. And you might include in this kind of circle your family members, uh, you, but you'll want to kind of look at our other episode about our fam- my family is frightened. Uh, they're going to ne- want to know uh, what, what some of these symptoms are because they're going to need to be educated too, and it will help them to know how to help you. So you want to include them somewhat. Hey, one thing we wanted to point out too is a cautionary tale around tribes. Let's say you join an online perimenopause support group. 
Oftentimes, these open-ended forum-based sites can have some real crap information. Remember during the pandemic, how many charlatans came out of the woodwork suggesting these whack cures? I mean, and some of those right. things were really Absolutely. dangerous. Some <laughs> of them, I people would come in with them and they'd have like 10 pills that you're supposed to take for 10 days or something you're supposed to repeat each month. It was, it was pretty crazy. Lather, rinse, repeat. It's just... I get it. You're suffering and you really want to feel better. But before you head down the road where you're like ingesting frog semen or doing cayenne pepper enemas or some crazy shit to alleviate your symptoms, get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. If home remedies sound too good to be true, they probably are. Right. Let me just right. repeat that for the record. If a home remedy yeah. sounds too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And part of what you might, these are things that could be helpful, uh, are activities that we know decrease the stress response. So those would include things like breathing, meditation, outdoor exercise, and yoga. Those are things that are we know are helpful for the immune system. They're helpful for health. They're helpful for your mental attitude. Uh, so those we know are help promote good health and will help you through menopause. And so it's important for you to find an activity that's new for you that you would like to explore and sign up because it's something Wait, why, outside why do I the need box. Something new? Well, why do some, I need something new? It actually, like, according to brain research, uh, having something new actually gets you out of this default mode network, which is stress response, especially to trauma or if you're burning the candle at both ends. So doing something new, to, something that's out of your comfort zone or something new uh, helps to, to quiet down this default mode network. And there are certain activities like breathing that also do that. They also increase dopamine in the brain, which is a feel-good kind of hormone in the brain, and especially yoga and meditation as well. So there's two potential mechanisms that we know about. uh, And we think that it doesn't take a huge time commitment. It might just take, uh, it might be just a breathing exercises for five minutes uh, rather than 45 minutes if you can accomplish it. And you can just use your app or Fitbit to help you set the time. So just having little segments Fitbit. of time are helpful. And that's my, Is Fitbit still a thing? I, yes, absolutely they still are. I know they've been replaced by Apple Watches for a lot of people, but they still are <laughs> something. You can get an app that goes from your Apple phone to your Fitbit watch if you want, or you can just get an Apple Watch. Their Fitbits are a lot more affordable. For sure. Okay, because I was I was wondering, it's like you some kind of a shill for the Fitbit people because <laughs> I ain't heard Fitbit in a long time. Yeah. Okay. So, but okay, here's the thing though. Honestly, I this whole like go out and exercise. I mean, I said I know you said breathing, but like honestly, I don't always want to. I don't always have what it takes yeah. to get out and exercise. Right. You have any other options? Yeah, yeah. So you might want something that kind of is new for you that's not exercise. So maybe something that's like painting, maybe an art class that does several modalities, maybe learning a language or traveling. Uh, being outside in general is very, very good for dopamine uh, stimulation and also for quieting that default mode network. It helps to interact with other people uh, who are there as well. So even like friendly interactions with people at the grocery store actually helps uh, 
kind of when you're in times of stress. So at any and this strategy is good for anyone who's going through new healthcare challenges or who's under a lot of stress. Um, just just a good way to live that promotes good health. That's really good to know. Um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to mention too, and it's it's when you listen to a podcast like this and and the the hosts, the knowledgeable hosts, give you all this information. You go, I'm all in. I'm going to do it all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one thing that we would suggest is try the one. I'm going to put out the one thing challenge. Mm -hmm. One thing means don't dive in headfirst to all this. Pick one strategy that you think might be able to work for you and give it two weeks. Mm-hmm. Don't go at it too hard at first. Don't do everything we suggest at once. I mean, you know how long people last at the gym after New Year's? Two weeks. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they decide to make the, a wholesale life change all at once. They exercise eight days a week. They stop drinking. They stop smoking. They become vegans. And it's mm-hmm. too much. Right. Right. They, there's it's, it's too much change at once. Right. So why don't you just try... One thing. Can you do one thing? Can you breathe before you go to bed at night? Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Do it for two weeks. Right. And Such then a could, good point. Could you walk around the block at lunch mm-hmm. two days a week? Not five days a week. And then going to the gym the other days a week. Ah, that's right. too much. Just yeah. do a little bit. Right. Come and I, now. I know we've talked about a lot of things. You know, we've talked about uh, anti-inflammatory diet. We've talked about how alcohol can stimulate menopausal symptoms too much. I know throughout the podcast, we've talked about different things that when you put them all together, seem like a lot, like protecting your sleep and getting a good night's rest, maybe trying to limit your coffee. Um, I mean, it's a lot. It's like limit, living kind of wholesome lifestyle and maybe you're not ready for it all at once. And if you do too much at once, you not only will it be hard to sustain, it also, you won't know what helped you the most. You won't know what really made the most amount of change, right? So, and you might not be able to keep doing all of that all the time. And so important to just give each thing a little bit of time. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not wired to do that kind of monastic lifestyle where I, you know, cut down to the bare bones. I, I, I ain't made for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But definitely good to get out of your box of feeling like you're alone, feeling like you can't get any help, feeling like it's too hard to get help, uh, and try to connect with whoever your emotional tribe might be. Think about those connections. Yeah, think right now. Okay, you probably, hopefully you've been thinking about it the whole time you've been listening to this. But right now, think about who your emotional social tribe is how can you connect with this person or these people semi-regularly are you thinking about it are you thinking about it good i know you've got somebody in mind right don't let it go i mean i mentioned at work we had a slack channel can you start a text string where anyone can pop off and just put it out there for example, Suzanne and I, we are part of a group text with a bunch of sisters we went to grade school and junior high with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did a girls trip a couple of years ago. We still keep our text string alive. And I'm not going to lie, it is powerful. Mm-hmm. When something happens, right. you know, one of us will just pop in there and the rest of us all flood in to hold mm-hmm. each other up, man. It's it's really good. I'm so thankful that we never let that string drop because mm-hmm. um, it's, right. it's important. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, come on, there are about 46 million women in the United States alone who are in this very special stage of life. 
find some of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. There should be a few in your neighborhood or a few that you come into contact with. Yeah. A few at work, a few at church, a few at, at, at the gym, a few somewhere. Mm-hmm. Reach out, be the connector. I guarantee you somebody will be grateful that you reached out and did something about it because they've been, you know, doing this alone as well. <gasps> Go find a tribe. All right. <laughs> preview into our next episode. The next time we're going to continue our perimenopause conversation by talking about your options. As you've learned from the past 26 episodes, there is always something you can do to help address perimenopause symptoms. How do you decide what's right for you? Join with your decision tree at hand for the next Perimana podcast. If you would like to visit our website where reference materials and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast. Please do us a favor. If this information has been helpful for you, please like us, write a review if you're so inclined, and most importantly, share this podcast with another sister so she can be informed too.